0: Washington confirms that Vice President Lai Qingde will transit in the U.S. during his trip to Paraguay next month. The day before, Taiwan's government announced that Lai will attend Paraguay's presidential election, transiting in the U.S. along the way. China has
1: responded with anger. Its foreign ministry spokesperson, Mao Ning, said China firmly opposes any form of official exchange between Taiwan and the U.S., At a Monday press briefing, the U.S. Secretary of State warned China not to react provocatively. Let's hear from him. The uh, potential transit of Vice President Lai uh, Taiwan, Uh, we expect that he will transit the United States um, on both the um, incoming and outgoing legs of uh, a trip that he plans to take. There is no reason for the PRC to use this transit as a pretext for provocative action. Uh, We are committed to preserving peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. Uh, It's critical to regional and, for that matter, global security uh, as well as prosperity. Earlier this year, China staged war games around Taiwan after President Tsai Ing-wen made transit stops in the U.S. Ahead of Lai's planned stopover, the U.S. Secretary of State emphasized that it was quote, very routine. Vice President Lai Qingde stopped by Jet Opto Electronics, a world-leading maker of in-car entertainment systems.
0: In just 13 years, Jet Opto has skyrocketed to the top of its industry, directly supplying to companies like Porsche, Lamborghini, and Bentley. During his tour, Lai hailed the company's commitment to manufacture in Taiwan.
2: Vice President Leitinger gives this racing game a go. But he's here not just to play. He's at the office of Jet Opto Electronics to applaud its pioneering work with in-car entertainment systems.
3: Right now in Europe, we directly supply to Porsche, Lamborghini and Bentley. We can make everything on these cars. Early on, before people even had a clear idea, a clear idea of what car electronics are, we were already making them.
2: Jet Opto Chairman Jerry Lin is a scion of the famous Lin family, which founded Datong Company in 1918. He's also the brother-in-law of singer Jolin Tsai. His wife, Jolin's sister Jo Tsai, was there by his side during Lai's visit.
3: It was around 2010, after the financial crisis, my parents wanted to step back from business, so they told us younger folk to figure something out. So in 2010, I founded Jet Opto. Why did I want to go into automotives? Because I've loved cars since I was small. I threw myself into the world of car displays. We're preparing to go public next year. Jet Opto excels in every segment of its operation, so no wonder it's hailed as the invisible champion of the in-car entertainment system industry. If its manufacturing base were outside of Taiwan, I'd give it a score of 80 percent. But it's based in Chenzhen Technology Industrial Park, where it has a smart factory, so I will give it a full score.
2: Last year, Jet Octo set up a factory in Kaohsiung's Shenzhen Technology Industrial Park as part of a wave of returning Taiwanese investment. Lai said he was confident in Taiwan's economic future.
3: It is when the global situation changes that Taiwan has opportunities. So in the future, I very much hope for the chance to bring together talent from various fields. I want to direct us all toward building a future of hope and making Taiwan a country of democracy and peace, a country of innovation and prosperity.
2: From touring companies to blueprinting national strategy, Lai is working a full schedule to prove his political chops.
0: The Taiwan Foundation for Democracy marked its 20th anniversary on Tuesday with an event that brought together democracy advocates from around the world. President Tsai Ing-wen spoke at the celebration, highlighting the strength of Taiwan's democracy despite the Chinese threats.
1: Also in attendance was the head of the U.S. National Endowment for Democracy, Damon Wilson, who presented Tsai with the Democracy Service Medal.
3: With the song Stand Up Like a Taiwanese, the band kicks off the 20th anniversary celebration of the Taiwan Foundation for Democracy. President Tsai ing and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu were among the officials present. Taiwan has been
1: confronted by increasingly aggressive threats from the other side of the Taiwan Strait, from military intimidation and economic coercion to cyber attacks and disinformation campaigns. But even under these constant threats, the Taiwanese have never shied away from confronting the challenges of authoritarianism.
3: President Tsai stressed the Taiwanese people's unwavering resolve to defend democracy, and she thanked partners around the world for their support. Also at the ceremony was the president of the U.S. National Endowment for Democracy, Damon Wilson, who presented Tsai with the organization's Democracy Service Medal.
1: Now, President Damon Wilson of the National Endowment for Democracy will present President Tsai with the Democracy Service Medal.
3: The award is conferred to people who have contributed to democracy. Its recipients include former President of Poland, Lech Wałęsa and former U.S. Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright.
1: In recognition of President Tsai's achievements and contributions to the advance of democracy and human rights in Taiwan and around the world, by honoring President Tsai's leadership, We spotlight Taiwan's democratic success and our commitment to the people of Taiwan so that they can determine their own destiny.
0: Everyone, please look at the cameras in the center
1: together.
3: With democratic partners from all around the world, the Taiwan Foundation for Democracy celebrated 20 years of advocacy. Tsai shook hands with each of the attendees, each handshake further warming the ties forged by democracy.
1: The 39th Hanguang military exercises are scheduled to kick off next week. This year, for the first time, drills will be staged at Taidong Airport in response to the PLA's deployment of reconnaissance vessels east of Taiwan. The civilian airport will be used as an emergency landing strip by fighter jets and transport planes. It will also be used as a base for aircraft munitions loading.
0: A rehearsal was conducted at the site Tuesday morning. The rehearsal featured the takeoff of a C-130 transport plane and the landing of four F-16 fighter jets. Early in the morning, troops were seen checking the runway. Skyguard systems and Sparrow missiles were also installed. The rehearsal ended after the F-16s refueled outside the hangar and took off again. The formal event will start next Tuesday with an inspection by President Tsai Ing-wen. The watch industry has been through tough times in the last 20 years. Once a common accessory, the watch is now a niche interest. But two siblings are swimming against the tide to keep their family watch business afloat.
1: They're the third generation to manage the watch shop in Yunlin's Tuku Township. Customers come in for repair services and a cup of coffee. And the Tings hope to make a creative case for the watch in 2023. Revitalizing the rural economy is a big interest for both. Let's go to Yunling to see how watches keep pace with the times.
3: Here on Zhongzhen Road in Yunling's historic Tuku Township, many special old businesses live on. One of them is this remarkable watch shop. Customers come here for a leisurely cup of coffee and a chance to admire the watches in their glass cases, taking a step back in time to a different era. In 1948, Ding Ting Feng's grandfather founded this, the first watch shop in Tuku. As the times changed, there were more and more places to buy watches while demand for repairs shrank. Gradually, the industry withered, but Ding Ting Feng has come back to her old hometown to breathe fresh life into the family business. And in her repertoire is her own personal passion, coffee.
2: A woman of 60 or 70 asked me, what's this? I said, this is a coffee machine. She said, you're making coffee? This is too complicated. At first, people weren't very positive about the coffee industry in this small town. It was kind of a novelty.
3: While Ding Tingfang brews a cup, her brother Ding Jianfu is in the back preparing a customer's watch. The siblings used to watch and learn from their grandfather and father, learning the ropes of the watch industry as children. Ding Jianfu even qualified as a watchmaker. They both moved back to Tuku after time away, hoping to offer their loyal customers immaculate service and attract new demographics to the shop.
2: I guess you would say it's the changing times. It's an irreversible trend. Everyone is using smartphones and lots of digital products. So I was very lucky that my sister came back home, and by combining it with the coffee, we've got people more interested in what we've changed through our transition. We want to incorporate more unusual materials to create unique, creative clock products.
3: Job opportunities can be limited in the countryside, which makes many young people hesitate. settle in their rural hometowns after growing up. But the Dings have not only taken on the family business, they're invested in revitalizing local culture and want to encourage more people to join the community.
2: I think everything's possible now. Coming home to the country, things aren't as convenient, and information isn't so advanced. But we're in the internet age now, and the age of online retail. So many things are actually unlimited, without national borders. So I think there are opportunities for entrepreneurship wherever you go.
3: The brother and sister duo are finding innovative ways to make this traditional shop relevant. As third-generation owners, they're bringing a breath of fresh air into an old industry and helping carve out a wholly new path for their community.
0: Turning now to the markets, it's going to be an eventful second half of the year for initial public offerings. One IPO to watch is Tiger Air Taiwan, a subsidiary of China Airlines. Another is Foxtron Vehicle Technologies, a joint venture between Honghai and Yulong Motors. There's
1: also Aurora Technology, a subsidiary of IC Designer MediaTek. Aurora held a media networking event on Tuesday, saying it plans to go public at the end of October. Aurora began trading on Taiwan's pre-IPO market last June. It's got four main product lines, Bluetooth chips, global navigation satellite systems, broadband and Ethernet switches. It's recently launched a raft of products with AI applications such as Bluetooth headsets with active noise cancellation. Its clients include global brands like Apple, Sony, JBL, Xiaomi, and Garmin. Eight years after being discontinued, Taipei's Double Ninth Festival cash gifts are making their return. Taipei Mayor wan Wanan announced a 1,500 NT gift for older adults to be dispersed starting August
0: 8th. Eligible residents can collect it as a bank transfer, cash, or credit in their senior citizen cards. As for where the money will come from, the mayor stressed that the city won't be incurring debt to finance the program.
2: (laughs) Crouching down and greeting, Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan-an brings out a smile from a woman in her 90s. After an eight-year hiatus, Taipei's double-ninth festival cash gift is making a comeback.
3: I would like to officially announce that I am fulfilling my campaign promise last year. Taipei will once again give older adults a cash gift of 1,500 NT for Double Ninth Festival.
2: This year's Double Ninth Festival lands on October 23rd. Taipei residents aged 65 and up will be eligible to collect the cash. The first wave will go out on August 8th and can be redeemed with a senior citizen card at top-up machines. A second batch will be sent on October 3rd in the form of bank transfers. People who prefer cash will have to wait until mid-October to collect it at select service points. The program was discontinued by former Taipei Mayor Ko wen but as Ko runs for president, he appears to have softened his stance.
0: I think
3: if you've got the money, you might as well spend it. It's just that I don't know if this money... If Mayor Jiang Wan'an an is able to justify this expenditure to city council, then there's no problem. During interpolation sessions at city council, I reminded Jiang Wan'an an many times that he should respect the city government's overall fiscal discipline and plans. I hope Mayor Jiang didn't just hear me, but actually listen to me.
2: Councilors fear the gift will come at the expense of welfare programs. Just before leaving office, Ke had approved the reinstatement of a 1,200 NT gift. Jiang added another 300 NT, bringing the total to 1,500 NT. But where is the money coming from?
3: All the relevant budgets were approved by the city council. There's no problem here. We won't be getting into debt for this.
2: Jiang is bringing back the cash for his first double-ninth festival as mayor. But finding a balance between honoring seniors and juggling city finances will be a test for his administration.
0: A major project to bring back old-growth forest is underway on the Dadu Plateau. The mountainous area is just a short drive from central Taichung. It was once home to a forest of exceptional biodiversity, but after being overplanted with acacia trees, it lost its original health and splendor.
1: Now, the Taiwan Reforestation Association is determined to help it regenerate. After many years of work, it recently celebrated planting 10,000 saplings on the plateau. They're all from native species that will help bring back a rich and vibrant ecosystem.
2: Volunteers are hard at work planting saplings under the midday sun on Dadu Plateau.
3: We've destroyed the environment a lot, so we need to protect it now. That includes the global warming or extreme climate events of the last few years. Lots of that is because the environment can't cope with the pressures we're putting on it.
2: The saplings include about 20 species native to the plateaus, such as the Taiwan Admenandra and Taiwan Mesa trees. The team hopes they'll put down deep roots and help increase the diversity of the forest here, bringing back the kind of old-growth forest that covered the plateau 100 years ago.
3: This biodiversity, having so many tree species, means the timing of the flowers blossoming is staggered. That's the only way to give our wild bees a chance to survive. It's also an important reason why we're promoting the regeneration of natural forests.
2: Many years ago, large numbers of acacia trees were planted on the Dadu Plateau, which harmed its original biodiversity. Lots of buildings have popped up here recently too, biting further into the old growth forests. Only about 20 of the original tree species are left. But the Taiwan Reforestation Association wants to bring the ancient ecosystem back to life. It compiled a list of plants native to the area from specimens and documents left by Japanese colonial-era scholars. Now, a team of volunteers has trapped many kilometers over Bagua Shan, Shan and Huoyanshan to find seeds of those old species. The seedlings have been carefully cultivated, and now it's time to plant them.
3: The social costs of each tree are 1,000 NT, from cultivating the seed into a sapling to planting it.
2: It's a long and arduous process, but after years of hard work, more than 10,000 saplings have been planted. The team hope that many decades from now, the branches and roots of these trees will still be nurturing new life on the plateau.
0: When you think of Indian clothing, what comes to mind? Probably it's the image of a sari. The national dress of India is famous worldwide, but in fact, the country has a whole wardrobe of different styles of dress for each occasion.
1: Today, we have the Beginner's Guide to the Outfits of India from a Taiwanese collector. Li Hui. is a veteran traveler with many years' experience of visiting India. She's gathered a wardrobe spanning many different fabrics and styles. Let's peek into the sartorial world beyond sari.
2: Li Hui performs a move from the Indian spiritual dance tradition, Odissi. Her elegant movements match the magnificent sari she's wearing. The sari is what comes to mind when we think of classical Indian dress. With its elegance, poise, and delightful colors, it's the national dress of India.
3: Usually, this
2: Women in India often use a pin to hold the sari in place, allowing for many different styles. A sari of five meters can easily be worn in a dozen different ways.
3: There are also different types of clothing for different festivals among three-piece sets. There is the Anarkali, which is a kind of long, wide skirt, which we normally call the Punjabi suit.
2: This ankle-length turquoise skirt is called a lehenga. It's covered in hand-stitched decorations and is the most common dress seen in performing arts. This pink dress is the anakali. It's fluttering skirt brings youthful romance to a dance performance.
3: On the street, you see men and women wearing this kind of pure cotton clothing. This longer style is called the kurta.
2: Finally, we come to the most common form of dress seen in India, the shalwar kameez and the kurta. Its loose under trousers are easy to move in, and a scarf is a must-have accessory for all these different outfits.
3: In India, women don't want their bodies to be easily seen by men, so they wrap the scarf around themselves. If it's too sunny, you can take the scarf and use it as a headscarf.
2: As a lover of Indian culture, Lou has collected more than 60 saris, the most expensive she bought in India for more than 10,000 tea. When it comes to the beauty and artistry of Indian dress, our catwalk today was just the tip of the iceberg.